0: Welcome to another exciting and possibly depressing episode of the Firebrands Podcast. I'm your host, Lee Moore, and joining me are three of my colleagues of the Firebrands. We've got Andrew. Hey, everyone. We've got Professor Mitch J. Don't talk to me right now. Free will doesn't exist. Who didn't see that coming? And always, we have Mr. The Thinker himself. Hello, everyone. I am The Thinker. I swear, we couldn't get rid of you. You're like herpes.
1: Love may come and go, but herpes last forever.
0: Well, like as I said, we kind of have a depressing show for you guys this week because Donald Trump is the president-elect. Hail Trump! We've all had like almost a week now to let that sink in. Donald Trump is our going to be our president. Donald Trump is picking the cabinet. Donald Trump will be vetoing or signing laws into effect. Donald fucking Trump is going to be the president, and there's nothing.
2: Anyway, good do night, everybody. It. See you later. <laughs> well.
3: There's also opportunity to be had if we look in the right places and we're willing to do what it takes to build the legwork up to to capitalize on the opportunity. Well, we'll we'll get into that in a bit. We'll talk about that.
0: We'll definitely get into that in a bit. But before we get into that, I want to talk about how the fuck we got here. How the fuck is Donald Trump our president? And right now, everyone's playing the blame game. Everyone's saying, "Oh, if you were a third party voter, you are personally responsible for Donald Trump." Everyone's saying, "Oh, if." If you were one of the 47-point-whatever percent of people who didn't vote, you brought about Donald Trump. And I'm sorry, but these arguments are bullshit. Third-party voters did not do enough, and Gary Johnson voters pulled voters from the Conservative Party, and they got the bulk of the third-party vote. That's a very good point. The Jill Stein vote was much smaller, and yeah, it did pull a lot of liberals, but even if you added the Jill Stein vote on top of Hillary Clinton's votes... She still wouldn't have got the electoral vote. She still loses. Either way. So a third party is out. Now there's the, the people who didn't vote. And yeah, there's a lot of people out there who didn't fucking vote for whatever reason. But the thing is, we don't know why they didn't vote. There's a lot of people that I know of that, or I've met, I've spoken with, that weren't allowed to vote. That were registered and due to voter ID laws were turned away. And that is a thing. That is a thing that happens in a lot of red states. That's something a lot of us have been trying to overturn or do something about, but it's still there. It's still plaguing us. Red states really try their absolute best to not let poor people vote. But uh, then there's the the fact that a lot of people cannot take off work to vote. Some people, yeah, we're supposed to be able to be given like a few hours off or the day off to go vote, theoretically. How many people, how many working class people that are making next to nothing and have a family to support, can really afford to lose two to three hours of a work day to go vote. Ask around, you're going to find a lot of people who said, you know what, I honestly cannot afford to get away to vote. Hey Lee, I barely got a chance to
2: vote. I had to work until 8, my polling place closed at 9, I got there at about 8.30, I had to leave work early, it was crazy. Well you forgot to vote on the way to work. I didn't forget to vote on the way to work. I have to get to work very, very early. And I just couldn't get up early
1: enough. You can't get up 20 minutes earlier?
2: No, it would
3: be a long line. Blaming the the voters for voting or not voting is the wrong way to look at it. It's up to the candidates to inspire. The the, the only person to blame for Hillary Clinton's loss is Hillary Clinton. Well, I
0: wouldn't say that. I mean, yeah, I would agree with that. But I wouldn't say the only one to blame for her loss... I would actually say blame the DNC. Because I remember, you know, almost a year ago when this this fella named Bernie Sanders came around and galvanized the left. He got out new voters. He got the youth vote outs. He got us all so excited because here's finally a liberal candidate. Not another centrist, not a crazy-ass Republican, not a Republican disguised as a Democrat who's just going to do more corporate bullshit but someone who's a real fighter for the people. Someone who wants to bring about the change that we need. Not that we want, that we fucking need. Someone who wants to take care of the student debt. Someone who wants to take care of our jobs problem. Someone who wants to take care of the Wall Street issues. Here's someone that we can actually, like, accept and run with. And he, through a grassroots campaign, did far better than anyone would have ever predicted. And he was hindered at every point by a the DNC who wanted to coronate their preferred bribe candidate whatever the one who had the connections the one who shook the right hands or had the right friends Hillary Clinton the one who had the right gender in their eyes and I have to say a lot of people came out to vote for Hillary Clinton because of the gender and not because of her policies because if you look at her experience if you look at her record she was an absolutely horrible representative of progressivism she's an absolutely horrible liberal yeah she's got some social issues down which good on her I'm glad she finally came around. I'm glad she's okay with gay marriage, even though fucking Dick Cheney was about it before she was. But yeah, you gave us Hillary Clinton, someone that people look at and saw as corrupt, someone that people look at and saw as, oh, she's in the pockets of Wall Street, someone that people just cannot get down with. You forced her down our throats, and that's why we have President Trump. President Trump, or Donald Trump, or Cheeto Face, whatever, galvanized people. He got people on his side. His rhetoric, his bullshit... Sucked people in, Mitch. Hey,
2: Lee, okay, tell us how you really feel. Um, I noticed at one point during your tirade you mentioned that if you want to blame somebody, you should blame the DNC, but from the, you know, no free will perspective, I would like to uh, interject and say you shouldn't blame anyone, really. The thing is, people are um, dissatisfied with the way things are, but the way things are are because of the things that make things the way they are. The truth is, half of this country is pretty conservative. The truth is, some people truly, genuinely want Stein. Some people truly, genuinely wanted Clinton. Some truly, genuinely wanted Trump. So, all we can say is, the world is not as progressive as many of us New Yorkers, for example, thought it was. You know, We're not really living in this ideal world. It doesn't make any sense to pick one group of voters and say, oh, you guys should have voted a different way. You know, wanting everyone to vote for Hillary is equivalent to wanting everyone to vote for Jill Stein. It's equivalent to wanting people to vote for Trump. It makes no sense to say that person shouldn't vote in that manner because that particular person they want is less likely to win. And this is some of the illogic that just gets spread in the, in the zeitgeist, you know?
0: Oh, no doubt. But I'm not talking about the voters themselves. I'm talking about a party that rigged its own election through favoritism or whatnot. We saw the emails. We know what was going on. We saw the constant mishaps in the various uh, state elections. We, yes, the, the, the entire election was skewed in favor for Hillary Clinton, at least the primaries were. And this is what happens. This is what happens when you go against what the people want.
3: Well, as far as the donor class is concerned, a Clinton-Trump election was ideal in comparison to having Bernie Sanders in there at all. So, regardless, think, yeah, from, the, from the perspective of the elite... Democrats and Republicans are two sides of the same coin. Yes, from the people's perspective, they're very different. There are huge differences between the Democrats and the Republicans. But as far as preserving the status quo is concerned, getting an establishment Democrat and an establishment Republican does the same things for the issues that the elites care about. Yeah, but Trump is
0: not an establishment Republican.
3: What I'm saying is that the donor class... Likes the fact that that it was between Clinton and Trump. They like the Trump presidency. Many people in the field of finance actually like the fact that Trump won. They like his tax policy. They like the fact that he's he's cutting regulation. There's a lot to like about him if you're a member of the elite class, regardless of his status in in the insiders of politics. What matters is that the donor class got what they want in this election, and the only bad outcome for them would have been Bernie Sanders. Which well, is
0: why we should have had Bernie Sanders, because well, well, fuck the donor class.
3: Well,
2: again, this, this, there's this idea of what we should have had, what should have happened. And I understand your frustrations. I see where you're coming from. But, you know, it, it's, should have is a tricky word. You know, what happened had to have happened based on, you know, all the things that caused it to happen. The truth is, Bernie Sanders almost beat Hillary to be, you know, the Democratic representative. Almost was tantalizingly close but it didn't happen and i agree that if bernie had been that you know democratic nominee he would have galvanized people in the same way that trump galvanized people but it didn't happen and that's all you can really say
3: we'll talk about opportunities in our section section tonight and how we can capitalize on this situation
0: well we've kind of talked a bit about how we got here and this is the reality we now live in but the question is where do we go now The left is completely divided. The Clintonites and the Bernie bros, or whatever the hell you want to call us, or whatnot, we're still not getting along. We're still not going to work together or fight together. But now we've got a Republican Congress, a Republican Senate, and the Republicans now have the executive branch. They're going to do whatever the fuck they want to do. Well, they don't
1: have a filibuster-proof majority in the Senate. No, they
0: don't. There are Democrats in the House and Senate that can still...
1: But if they can convince a few Democrats to go on their side which I hope is not going to happen, they can get a filibuster-proof majority and do a lot ram shit down, and Donald Trump will sign it, and that'll be it.
3: Well, let, let me take the glasses half-full perspective here. There's a lot of opportunity in the sense that people are no longer asleep. For much of our, uh, our political history, our general history in this country, people have been very disillusioned, they've been very much asleep, they've been very much apathetic. With, with someone like Donald Trump at the helm... ...who's so good at inciting opinion... ...whether that opinion is, is for him or against him... ...he's so good at riling people up... ...people aren't so much asleep anymore... ...whether or not people were actually able to vote... ...or whatnot... ...he's, he's awoken anger and happiness and emotion... ...and he is the ultimate in anti-apathy... ...he's the ultimate in, in making people care... ...whether it's for or against him... ...so now we have all these fresh eyes... That are focusing on issues that never really would have before. So, how do we take these new people, these brand new wide awake people, and galvanize them to accomplish our goals? That's what our opponents are saying. This or allies are saying this. It's all about how do you take all, all these people and get them to, to go your way. So, well, we so we so we progressives have a, a number of things going for us. For starters. I view the the, the progressive, the PC leftists, and the conservatives as kind of like a rock-paper-scissors battle, where progressive beats conservative, conservative beats PC, and PC beats progressive. With Hillary Clinton out of the way, the PC leftists have been pretty much humiliated. It's going to be very hard now to get the average person to, to go towards the leftist establishment Hey, you guys lost to Donald Trump. All the media said Clinton was going to win. They promised this great Clinton electoral but, uh, landslide.
2: Andrew, to be fair, the non PC progressives who were supporting Bernie, they lost to Hillary.
0: So yeah. that's like a defeat
2: for them. I wouldn't say they
0: lost to Hillary, I'd say there's a lot of shenanigans happening. That's why. Bernie Lee, lost take ability. it like
2: a man. A loss is a loss. They well, fucking well, lost. There, there is well, la, last evidence. Tuesday,
1: last Tuesday was a win for the alt right and a tremendous loss for the regressive left, yeah. which, in a way, I'm kind of happy with. I don't, I don't like the alt right more than I like the regressive left, but I don't like the regressive left, and I want last Tuesday to be a wake up call to the regressive left to realize that you can't. Uh, police language like you're going like like they're like they have been doing for the past you know number of years, and not think that there's going to be a tremendous backlash against that. I mean uh, you simply just can 't have uh, codes or you can 't use these terms and you can 't use that term, and that list gets longer and longer and longer and longer, and there 's not going to be a backlash. Donald Trump is like the ultimate anti PC candidate, and the fact that he won shows you that regressive leftism has a big problem. Uh, And this is something that many of us on the left uh, agree with, that PC culture has gone too fucking far. Uh, We just can't tolerate it. And I want that whole wing uh, of of Democrats to just, I want there to be a change among the way the regressive leftists think. And this is not going to happen without us having conversations, us liberals on the left having conversations with one another. We need to have conversations with people on the regressive left to kind of... Push a more reasonable argument through that yes you may be against bigots yes you may be against racists uh, yes you may be against non-liberal views but you have to allow people with those views to be able to have a voice and the way you should uh, deal with them is through counter-arguments that are reasoned and using evidence and not speech codes and laws that ban language Mike, can't we just silence them? We can we can silence we, tried them. That. we Didn't can work you, you can't really you can't silence them what you can try to do is refute their arguments with counter arguments that are reasoned. Oh
3: yeah you're right my bad see n- now is all opportunity because the rock paper in the rock paper scissor battle progressives are still standing conservatives are still standing the regressive left just got humiliated. So hopefully we can realize that speech codes don't work, and the only way to refute bad arguments is with good arguments. Yeah, but
0: people don't look at themselves. The average Joe doesn't see themselves as part of the one of those three camps. They have no idea. They don't care. They don't Perfect. have these arguments. They they don't
3: get it. They don't care. It's not part of their daily life. That's our opportunity, because now we can be the ones to take power. Th- the, the door has been left wide open for us to convince the masses. We can show that the regressive left arguments don't work and get the average Joe on our side now. The, the path has been cleared. Well, I agree with a, lo- with a lot of the critics
1: have been saying on the left, like, uh, for the most part, what Bill Maher has been saying. Uh, what, um, uh, what's his name? With our friend Faisal, I... Uh, Mutar Al Mutar,
0: Faisal Saeed Al Mutar,
1: Faisal Said Al Mutar. I always get that wrong.
0: The great king of Iraq. The Check him, him
1: out on the Rubin uh,
2: Report. He's been on there. A few well, times. he
1: was. Uh,
0: he was. Uh, he said something
1: on Facebook recently. He's like, "Well, it, wh- here's a regressive leftist logic. You can criticize Islam. Oh no, you can't criticize Islam because Muslims will react and do bad stuff. But it's perfectly okay to criticize conservative white people." Uh, because the thinking goes, well, they won't do something back. But this election shows this is exactly what happened. If you, could, if you strongly criticize conservative people, most the vast majority of whom are white, there's going to be a backlash because there's still a very large percentage of the electorate right now. And um, November 8th uh, was, in a sense, for millions of people their way to put on paper and say, hey, you know what, I may not agree with what Donald Trump is saying, but I am using this as a statement against liberalism, but also, of course, as we mentioned earlier, the you know the, the elitism of, of the Clintons. It was kind of a combination of the two. Uh, and it had this kind of effect. And Donald Trump's win could set back liberal progressivism decades. You know, We could go back to the early 90s, we could go back to the mid-80s with some of our fucking policies.
3: Well, what, what, what the great thing is, is in four years' time, if we galvanize a big enough movement, 2020 is a census year we get to do some redistricting. So if we can get a real progressive on there and really uh, show people how progressive they actually are, then we can turn the tables and then go forward – Uh, like we've never seen before. The opportunity is there. And what I want to show is that people, even the the most diehard conservatives and diehard liberals, agree on more than we realize. And the only way that we can do that is if we can have a free-flowing of ideas, and some of these ideas might be painful or might involve a lot of emotion to them.
1: We have to break out of the echo chambers. We have to make sure that if you're liberal, you have at least a few conservative friends, interact with them in person, preferably not online, because things can get really nasty very quick online, uh, talk to people in person. I, for example, have several conservative friends. I'm an atheist, I have several religious friends. And I talk to them, we talk politics, we talk religion, and we talk philosophy, and, you know, I'm able to sometimes modify some of their views. We're able to, I'm able to swing them a little bit closer towards the center, because I make reasoned arguments. And we're able to come to some basic common ground. But if you're in the echo chamber constantly, and you're only hearing the same thing over and over and over again, for the left and for the right, for religious and for non-religious people, you just stay in the echo chamber, nothing ever changes, your your opinions are reinforced by the most extreme voices in the echo chamber, and the country gets more divided you know, and more split as Mike,
2: a whole. Mike, to your point, at, at my job, uh, one of my friends is a black, atheist... I wouldn't say Trump supporter, but he's definitely fiscally conservative. And, yeah, somehow we're able to communicate very easily, and we bridge a lot of... Like, I'm able to easily convince him about a lot of stuff. A lot of times we have very progressive conversations, and you will hear several times throughout our
1: conversations, I concede that point.
2: We should have a national
1: talk to someone on the other side of the aisle day, where you... Sit down with someone who disagrees with you politically and you have a conversation with them and you try to reach some common ground. You try to, you try to listen to each other honestly and without hatred and without the urge to jump on every single point. And it's not, it wouldn't be a debate. It would be simply just understanding people on the other side of the aisle and to try to just talk and see like where you guys can find some common ground. We should have that over beers.
3: It's all about getting out of that safe space. It, it, it can be emotionally painful to do this kind of thing, but the only only way you, you'll you learn and grow is to is to do it. To get out there and talk to people.
1: All right, I have another question though. What does Trump's win mean for atheism and secularism?
0: It well, actually, I can answer this one. It's going to galvanize us like we haven't seen since the Bush years. Can we stop saying so, the word galvanize? I love the word galvanize. Galvanize is fun. Okay, it's going to it unite us own. like we haven't seen since the Bush years. Finally, a, well, I wouldn't say finally, like this is a good thing. Mike Pence and Donald Trump. Mike Pence uh, is correction. Michael Pence. Whatever the fuck.
2: Mike is a term you use for your friend. He's
0: not our friend, people. Supreme Lord Pence. His name has, is Michael uh, Michael Pentenstein. Well, he's declared himself a Christian before everything else. His entire policy is always a He's a Christian first, a rapist second, a child agenda. molester third. And he's going to try to push that on Trump. He's going to try to push that. Trump's probably going to say, hey, why the fuck not? We are going to have a fight like we've never had a fight before. And we're going to have to pull together like we haven't had to do since Michael Pence 2008. thinks women
2: shouldn't be in the military. Gays shouldn't be in the military. He's against gay marriage. He's against gay civil unions. He's
1: against gay cakes.
0: He's against gays being alive. Yeah.
1: Well, he's he's for gay con, uh, conversion therapy. Like, if you want AIDS medication, you gotta go to gay conversion
0: therapy. First. And he is hardcore against us. He yeah. thinks
2: if you sell pizza, you shouldn't have to sell your pizza to gay people.
0: Because nobody likes gay pizza. That shit it sucks. But regardless, for atheists, though, like I said, it's going to unify us to a degree. We're gonna... I actually see atheists, not not the left, not the liberals, but atheists, pulling together like we haven't seen them forever. But here's the problem to stand for the separation of church and state.
1: Okay, great, 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 great. But here's the problem, though: liberals and atheists tend to be clustered in cities, and those cities are already blue, and those congressional districts are already blue. And if we vote in large numbers, okay, that may affect Senate races because they're statewide. But for Congress, they're not going to have that much effect because of gerrymandering. We're always going to be a minority in red congressional districts. And so even if we come out in large numbers, maybe we could affect the Senate, uh, and maybe we could affect national elections to some degree, but we're clustered in big urban centers that are already blue and pretty much always going to be blue and it's not really going to we're not we're not large enough in population to really have any kind of dramatic effect
3: you see why changing minds is so important and having conversations is so important we can't do everything on our own we we live in a society together we have to come together and talk to each other and really as long as there's a significant number of people who agree with mike pence's policies then we're going to have to keep fighting these fights It's a matter of getting the the masses to realize that these policies are terrible. And once people realize these policies are terrible, they won't have government figures pushing for them anymore.
0: Well, I've also got to say, like, 9-11, the Bush administration, it showed the entire nation, like, the horrors of religious fanaticism. It showed us the horrors of thinking with religious-style ridiculousness. It built the new atheist movement. Uh, we, we We have... September 11th, and George Bush to take for that, which is horrible, but it's where we're at. More of that is going to give us more of a chance to pull together, to do something to get media attention, to show more people that these religious, ridiculous ideas are something worth opposing. And the people who promote them, their ideology is something worth opposing. So we're going to get a new flood of members, a new flood of people, a new generation of people that are saying, yeah, religion is bullshit, let's stand up and fight together.
3: Thank you to the anti-apathy Amen. of Donald Trump, the the ultimate for the apathy machine.
0: Donald
2: Trump called Megan Kelly a bimbo on television and never apologized for it.
0: And he's president.
1: He the said he's going to keep up. He TV said star. recently he, he's probably going
3: to keep up his Twitter behavior as president. That would be hilarious. Yeah. I kind of hope he does. That that would be the. I can imagine him starting Twitter wars with like German Chancellor Angela Merkel. Or just, like, going to Mexico and just troll them about the wall. Uh, What better way to galvanize people and to keep them at attention than seeing our president do stupid things on Twitter? It's the ultimate in in getting people to pay attention. When people pay attention, that's how we atheists get more recruits. So thank you, Trump. Please continue to do this.
2: The sun hasn't risen in New York for the past several days. It's dark and desolate. It's gloomy.
1: It does feel, in a way, like secular progressivism uh, got punched in the stomach uh, with the Trump vote. Although oh, most many certainly. Trump many Trump supporters or maybe Trump voters, I should say, are not like super conservative. You know, many of them voted for Obama in '08 and in, in 2012. And they felt that Trump was more on their side, at least when it came to economic and trade shit, because Hillary Clinton seemed like such an establishment Democratic insider, too way too cozy with the bank, and with the banks, and oh, way too in was. favor of NAFTA and TPP. She, she and was. She was. And she was fair enough. She was absolutely, and she she was that way, and she seemed that way to them, and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people in those upper Midwest Rust Belt states voted Trump this year, and that was enough to swing the election, and that's why she ultimately got defeated. And so, But that's going to enable an onslaught of very conservative, right-wing religious uh, laws and legislation, the likes of which we probably haven't seen for 25 years.
3: Maybe. And then we can overthrow them in four years, yeah. and get a true progressive, and 2020 is a census year. An so hour wave will be able to redistrict. Roe v.
1: Wade is possibly uh, on the line right now. Uh, if they, if they, if Trump appoints a uh, a uh, conservative judge as he will, and if Ruth Bader Ginsburg dies, you could have a conservative majority, and that can possibly struck down Roe v. Wade. And the, the social conservatives have been trying to do that for decades. I mean, that's that's been a dream that they've had. There's always been out of touch, and now for the first time, is within reach the
0: possibility of it will be, will be in reach. And that is kind of scary. Well, on that note, folks, I want to take a short break just to say, if you like the Firebrands, if you're listening to the Firebrands, please share us online. And we're also looking for more people to be a part of the Firebrands. We need some folks to help promote. We need some folks to help write us music. We're in desperate need of an intro that isn't horrible. We've had a few, and we just haven't liked them. It hasn't been up to like our standards of madness. So, if you're a musician, you want to get your name out there, Shoot us a line, work with us. If you want to be on the show, come on out. We record in New York City every week. You have to be here. That's our only rule, so get in touch with us. But we're going to take a short break now for a word from our sponsors. And we're back, and once again, no sponsors. So if you want to sponsor us, give us all your money, and we'll plug whatever the hell you got. Assuming we actually like whatever the hell you got and actually want to endorse it. We'll definitely take your money either way, but it's really up to you. So... Four years of Donald Trump. What the hell do we do? How do we go from here? How do we move forward? Andrew?
3: Okay. Well, there are a number of things that need to be done. Uh, it, well, it depends on on your point of view. For us, the most important thing is to have conversations with people and to make our case for why progressivism should be the way to go. There, there are a lot of bad – people – there are a lot of ne- really uh, negative connotations that the, basically the PC liberals have done to kind of a, to take our mantle and pervert it. So we have to show that progressivism is about speech and having conversations with people and to show how similar, how our values are actually found in everyone in, in ways that just ha- it hasn't been done before. Or ways that have, well hasn't really been publicized. Our candidates get shut out uh, in debates. We don't really get we don't get in, invited to things. Maybe, maybe example: Margaret Flowers of the Green Party recently got on stage in Maryland between a Chris Van Hollen and Kathy. I can't pronounce her last name, but they were on their debate, and Margaret Flowers was pulled off the stage. Real progressive voice, but now we have this golden opportunity. Where we can go out and have conversations with people of different views than us, and show why progressivism is the way. We could, we also need to capitalize when Trump does things, or really when Mike Pence does things that the, av- the Michael, average people, Michael, Michael Pence, that, or Michael Pence, Miguel Pence, M- Miguel Pence, yeah. does things that average that surprise average people, or th- that, that get average people out of their zone of apathy and into discussion and we have to be there as the opportunists ready to strike with our friendly conversation so it, it, it's a, it's a different kind of it's like a peace offensive if that makes sense we have to be there ready to do that starting with our clo- the people closest to us and whenever we get a chance to really spread our message and to prime people to be ready to see that progressivism is the way to go forward not regressive leftism and not conservatism, which has a number of uh issues with it,
2: people have to stop being afraid of they have to be, they have to stop this fear of um, you know thinking their vote is wasted if they don't vote for an establishment candidate so you know Bernie Sanders narrowly lost to Hillary Clinton, and a lot of the people who didn't vote for Bernie did so because they felt. Um, some of his proposals were unrealistic like he couldn't get it done they liked what he was saying but they felt like they had to compromise like they weren't good enough to get what he wanted to achieve that America wasn't good enough and maybe as Andrew is pointing out that this you know crazy um, and unexpected outcome in this most recent election will finally get people moving another option is to leave the
3: country we could do that. I love this country too much. This is my home. I'm, I'm fighting for it, man. And I could take well, what it. What we need to do is we I'm need sorry, to... I'm sorry I'm
1: not
0: leaving. This is where I keep all my stuff.
1: You left the South for crying out loud. Yeah, right, and I gave brought all up. my
0: stuff up here and this as far as I'm taking it.
1: All right, what we need to do is we need to get a true liberal on the ticket. Uh, we need mm-hmm. to win back the Senate as much as we possibly can. Do something about gerrymandering. We're winning already on the social issues. Uh, and that's only going to get better and better and better. I don't know about but we're, all that. I, we are. We know. We definitely are. Uh, Trump's win does not mean where people are now subtly against gay marriage, but where where the trouble is or where the controversy is is those little things like does a bakery have have to be forced by law to bake a cake for a gay couple. That is where that is what divides the country a lot. It's not whether gay marriage should necessarily be legal. There are a lot of people who say, okay, gay marriage should be legal, It'll, you know, let gay people married, but I don't want to be forced to recognize that by the state in any way, shape, or form. If I don't want to bake a cake for a gay couple, I shouldn't be forced by the law to have to. We need to look at that, those aspects of the argument, and see maybe there's room for a change over there. Okay. Uh, and we also have to look at immigration, because immigration was a big factor in this uh, election. I mean, that was Donald Trump's cornerstone issue. Uh, I know many Hispanic people, for example, who are totally okay with a wall. I'm totally okay with a wall. I have no problem with it. You know, one about as conservative as I get with people is, I think countries have the right to control who comes in them. And so, when I hear someone say, we should build a wall... And we should make sure that everybody in the country is here legally. I sympathize with that. I don't think countries should just be told or be forced somehow to just have the door open and just allow any single person they want in, in. And give them citizenship or rights or put them on a path to citizenship or legal status automatically just by being able to cross over into the border. Now, mind you, I'm not for Donald Trump's, you know, massive deportation of, of 12 million people. I think we should have a border. I have no problem with a country being able to control who goes in and out. I think we should have a compassionate uh, immigration reform where some of the people here illegally should be able to stay. Uh, but the criminal illegal aliens who have done crimes come after having came here illegal, illegally, they should be gone and out of here and never allowed back. And there should be very stiff penalties if they sneak back in and get caught. Oh. Uh, we, have to, we have to look at that because it is not necessarily – most people want some kind of comprehensive immigration reform. But we have to understand that the far-left view on immigration that is let everybody in and put them on a path to citizenship and do nothing about future illegal immigration so that in 20 years we're going to have another 10 million people and just put them on a path to citizenship too, a lot of people are against that. So we have to kind of get real on some of these kinds of things. That that doesn't that doesn't. A lot of people don't swallow that view, uh, very 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 easily. So we have to come to grips with some of these kinds of views.
3: What we really need to do is work out our relationships with one another. How do we view people like immigrants? How do we view people with different sexual orientations to us? These are the kinds of issues that need to be discussed widely. So people can start getting comfortable with one another, especially people who come from very different cultural backgrounds, and we all live in this country together. So, and as long as we don't talk to each other, we'll never work out our relationships to one another. When we talk about immigration, when we talk about baking gays' cakes or pizzas or such, these are our, how do we interact with one another? We, we haven't worked this out yet, We haven't talked enough yet. We've been too stuck in our bubbles to do this. So we have to show that progressivism is about getting out there and talking to people, and especially people with radically different views than us, precisely so we can work out these very important issues so we can then get along and live with with each other. Or else we're going to keep fighting, and then when one side wins a fight, they do policy that ends up being terrible for everyone involved.
1: Wow, it sounds like you want to
0: make america great again
3: i do shit
0: i gotta say though the wall idea is fucking horrible not only is it economically infeasible i mean we
1: mexico's gonna pay for it
0: yeah yeah sure they are sure yeah, yeah there, there's there actually no actual is a wall there actually is a, a well, possible They're sensing there, fencing. A, there well, actually is a possible
1: way that can realistically get done is if you can somehow block remittances from illegal immigrants here or if you trade our, change our trade policies and say, hey, we're going to put a stiff tariff on your imports unless you pay for that wall. It's
3: actually not possible to build a wall along the Mexican border. You can do f- double-sided fencing. That's physically possible. But it's actually not physically possible to build a wall alongside our border for a number of logistical reasons. Right? Uh, another option is to use Legos.
1: Tell that to the Chinese. Lots and lots
3: of Legos. Just, Im- just import them and just, just mm-hmm. stack them all up. You hire the immigrants to do it, and you know, it gets done. How about this?
1: Illegal uh. immigrants who are captured are forced to do the labor to build the wall without pay. And well, after that, they go to prison. You already
3: do that with prisoners, actually, which, which is another big issue a, a prison labor be, a, as a new form of slave labor, and it's hard for them to get rights. Recently, prisoners were actually striking across the country, which wasn't really covered well because there's so much other other stuff going on. But that is a major issue of uh, prisoner rights. How do we handle that kind of thing?
0: Well, considering we have such a massive and expanding prison population due to our draconian legal system on... Uh, yeah,
3: well, sure. Uh, well, look, we're, four
1: states voted for marijuana legalization... On November 8th, California, the biggest one, uh, and that could dramatically reduce the number of people in prison. And yes, Massachusetts,
0: one of our own New England states, is now. uh, We need to take a trip to Boston, guys.
1: We arrest 650,000 people a year for marijuana, and about 87% of them, or so, thereabouts are arrested for possession. They're not arrested for selling. They're arrested for merely having weed on their person.
3: Now let's to congratulate drugs for winning the war on drugs. Well done, guys. Good job.
0: Woo. Well, the one thing I do have to say is, I don't know what Donald Trump's stance really is, but Hillary Clinton's was to continue the war on drugs, to double down on it, and to never legalize She said marijuana. on
1: her website that she was for marijuana legalization,
0: but at the state level, not at a federal level. No, she's she said a lot of... Contradictory things. She's for whatever will get a revoke. Donald Trump
1: and Mike Pence certainly aren't for marijuana legalization. If Chris Christie is head of is Attorney General, he said the marijuana party is over day one, and he has the power from the federal government to overgo all all the state laws that have just legalized marijuana.
3: That will also make Trump's administration very unpopular. Yeah, marijuana. One of the easiest things that any administration can do right now to gain popularity. Is to legalize marijuana. That would guarantee there are so many people who would vote for you just on that issue. That's a
2: great fucking point.
3: Even even if you were draconian like every other way, if you legalized weed, you'd get so many people's votes. So so it, going back going backwards against that against the will of the people, that, that's a great way to to lose yourself a lot of votes. So. I hope – there's a lot of short-term pain when these kind of things happen, but hey, glass half full, we can go for some long-term gain and make some long-term benefits if we can start talking to people, changing some minds, and coming together. There's opportunity for that this time around. Let me ask you
1: this. Is there any way Democrats can get control of the House given gerrymandering?
3: not before 2020, but during 2020, absolutely yes, because they're, they're redoing the process. But how do you, how, well, they what makes you think they're the not going to do it
1: even more to, like, gerrymander it?
3: Because I mean, gerry, I
1: mean, it's really controlled by the Republicans. So the if, if the
3: Democrats were, were to then take over and then to gerrymander it themselves, the way it happens right now is every 10 years, whoever's... In, like, they re, it's based on the census, so the gerrymandering is based on the census population, and then you get the, the board together to redo it. It could very well be the case that the Democrats then take it and then rather than assign it to a neutral third party, they gerrymander it democratically. Well, not democrat, but for the Democratic Party. So we're going to have to address this issue and people are going to have to get informed. So over the next four years, we have some education to do. But ultimately, until the next census year, the Republicans are going to control the House regardless of what we do. But in 2020, if we get a big progressive on board, we get a whole wave, we get people on the side of of progressive values and and show people how progressive the country actually is, then we can retake the House and overcome everything, because then we we have another chance everything starts over again. And And that will be the case whatever happens in 2020 will be the case for the next 10 years with the House. So if the Republicans win again in 2020, they're going to get 10 more years of control. If progressives win in twenty twenty, then we get ten years of control. That's that, that's really how it works right now. Unless of course we actually give it to a third party and and and, and uh, adjust the borders fairly. And there are, and we know how to do that. There are, you use a computer algorithm, make it public, and you you do it based on the population and all that stuff. So that you can do it. It's a matter of having the will to do so. And 2020 is our chance. So we have four years to get going and to show people that, yes, this country actually is progressive. People just don't realize it yet.
0: Well, folks, on that note, we're probably going to have to move on to plug time. So, guys, what would you like to plug this week, starting with Andrew?
3: Well, uh, give me a couple of months. I'm going to have some of my own personal adventures up and running. But I'm going to wait for that point because people are so crazy. Uh, I would definitely recommend, um, d- d- basically, a calmness. Definitely, uh, stay calm during this time. Trying to don't mourn too much over this. There's a lot of media nonsense that is going around, and people are very depressed. and It's important, to kind of, to move on with li- with life. Realize that this is far from the end of the world. There's a lot of opportunity here, so. Give me give me a month or so. I'm going to have some nice personal ventures up and running. I'll be plugging that all the time. But for now, I'm just going to go for sanity and togetherness and for conversation. That's what we need to plug right now.
0: Mitch, what do you want to
3: plug?
2: As usual, you can find me on Twitter, at FreeWillisFalse. I'd also like to plug the Rubin Report, as we mentioned earlier, Our good friend Faisal has been on there a few times. Take it easy.
0: Mr. The Thinker?
1: There is an ancient Chinese proverb that says, behind every crisis there is opportunity. So, uh, look into that. So, we will uh, be able to do things now that we have two, for the most part, secular enemies in the White House. So, we'll be able to uh, use that as motivation to further secular causes. But I want to plug um, Secular Talk, a YouTube channel. Uh, It's run by Kyle Kalinske. And I I love his analysis of things. He's very good. I agree with him like 80, 90, 95% of the time. Uh, He does political commentary. He does church-state separation issues. uh, But for the most part, he's he's focused on politics. So look up uh, Secular Talk on youtube and uh check out his lot of his videos uh, i every time i watch his video analysis of some recent issue in politics i almost always agree with him he, he he's really really good uh check out his analysis of the donald uh, of the recent election or uh, what the democrats did wrong why hillary was so bad uh he's just really great check him out look him up on youtube secular talk
0: And folks, well, Lee Moore here, and I want to plug one thing and one thing only, and that is whiskey, because for the next four years, I'm going to be really drunk, and it's the only way I'm going to stay sane through a Donald Trump presidency. I don't recommend it, actually, but, you know, do what you got to do. Fight together, work together, come together, be together. It's going to take a unified force like the liberals. The left have never been able to pull off to do anything to oppose the shitstorm that is coming. And on that note, folks, we're the Firebrands. Thank you all for listening. You keep listening, we'll keep making it. We're out.